Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Rick and Dodd Show. Two dudes, a podcast, and some laughs. Prepare to be underwhelmed. And away we go. I won't go and bury the lead at all and say that I'm an asshole and did not do my part of our media swap. Um, that was mainly due to being in Vegas and being exhausted and a walking zombie for work. Um, so that is on my uh, agenda to do to, or this week, not today, since there's, you know, four hours left in today for me. Um, but that's, that's on my agenda to do this week. So we can come back next week and basically have a, uh, a awesome, uh, WrestleMania preview slash media swap, uh, outcome. So, so that it, it's good that we have stuff to talk about next week because I really didn't have much of what I was knowing that we <laughs> wanted to talk about this week, but I came up with some stuff that I can at least spitball on and then, uh, we can dive deep on some other stuff, but, um, yeah, so I, I, we, I, fuck it, I'll start over. I'd been so busy, uh, I didn't even check with you if you had done uh, your media swap yet and checked out the album I suggested, but um, I figured the album listening was a little bit more passive than active reading, so. That is, that is correct. It, so, yes, in theory. I'm weird with music, dude. Um, like, I am real, I, we've never actually talked about that. Hmm. Um, I'm, I... Um, I'm really obsessive when it comes to music. Um, there's like music has to sound a very specific way for me to like get into it. Um, I often, oh my God. So it's so bad that when I, some, a lot of the times when I write, I'll spend days just listening to one song. Like on repeat while you're writing. Yeah. Oh, while I'm writing over and over again until I finish until I finish whatever I'm working on. Um, and you know, it'll, it'll be that way. I've like, and I just do that nonstop. I mean, you're, I'm not talking like, you know, dude, like fuck's sake. Like, so I let somebody use my computer one time in college and I've always, I've always been like that, but I let somebody use my fucking borrowed my laptop in college at like a dining hall and I had my iTunes open and for some reason, I had listened to like TikTok by Gesha like five hundred fucking times. Like, yeah, the play count column. Song so yeah, it's five hundred count in the play count column, and then everything else is like <laughs> ten, fifteen, twenty. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just like, what the? I mean, um, so yeah. I mean, I'm very like I'm open to, and, and I say that like I'm open to a lot of different music, a lot of different artists. Um, you know. I am, but it's weird. It's like I'm very peculiar by mu- with music because, like, it triggers stuff in me. Not necessarily the lyrical content, but like, um, like the instruments and the the composition of the song itself. Um, like, I'm really like it. Just like music, just has to feel right. Um, <laughs> And for me, that's uh, it translates very much to the live music experience, um, mm-hmm. which kind of which will dovetail into some of the stuff that I want to talk about next. Um, but I mean, for me, I'm very much the same way. Like I tend to uh, go towards music that is uh, that I can listen to like on the go or you know on in headphones, but that generally has a more um, like integrative experience when you're seeing it live or that you can feel it and you can like you can experience more of it 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, like those are songs like, especially like with rock songs, hard rock songs or like metal songs that have like some sort of hook or a chorus as opposed to just like straight, like jam band shit or straight, like thrashing metal or something, but always something that you can mm-hmm. like come back to or like, there's like a, a hard like thump to, um, because then like when you feel it live, you can like always feel like the song turn around then. Um, and so like, there's a lot of different uh, angles in both pop and rock that, that do that for me. One thing I tend to, to run away from as fast as I can is country because that's super manufactured and they don't really have that. It's just kind of like a slow downbeat or, you know, a pop with a twang type thing. Um, but like EDM has kind of started going that way and I've started picking up a lot more of that where it's very similar to like the downbeats or the hooks that uh, a lot of the, the pop and rock have. They're just more, you know, pseudo manufactured and played through a, a synthesizer or whatever. But for me in the, the live experience, it's it's just as good. I haven't seen a lot of um, live music. Um, I've been to a warp tour. That's a start. Um, and uh you know, back before I guess I think they I think they're killing Warp Tour too, aren't they? Yeah, this is the the last I summer think... Warp Tour. Yeah, man. I got a poster. I got a really cool poster. Poster? I've got a really cool poster. Oh, what the fuck that was. But um Yeah, I've got a Yeah, so I, I went to Warp Tour. Um I think I saw Plain White Tees. Have I told you my Plain White Tee story? No, was that Warped Tour in North Carolina or somewhere else that you had a, a yeah? It was a, it was a North Carolina. Oh uh, no! So it was just uh, no. It was um, it was in Charlotte because I went to the I went to Warped Tour the year after they stopped coming to Raleigh. Um, I got to meet Shad, who was one of arguably my favorite rappers. I'm almost kind of pissed because I went up with some friends and he got saddled with like dropping off his cousin. Mm-hmm. In Greensboro, and it ended up taking what should have been like a two and a half hour trip was like three and a half, and ended up missing like half of the dude's set. Oh well. So I was like kind of bummed, but I got a picture. I mean, the dude was Canadian. The dude is one of the dopest rappers I've ever heard, and he's so smooth. Um, and uh, so we saw that. I think we saw Any Flag. Um, so I, I don't remember. I've always been into punk music for like ever um yeah i mean that's one thing i don't think since we've really met like i'm pretty open or like uh kind of put a lot of music shit out there but that's something we haven't talked about on your end is kind of what you dig into in the music yeah um i'm into like weird shit um so like i'll do i do punk um i don't do i don't do any of that screamo stuff i don't i don't really get it um or the screamo or the emo um, I like I love pop punk, um, so I love um, one of my favorite bands that I I'm bummed that I didn't get a chance to actually see was uh, Motion City Soundtrack. Okay. Um, ooh, it's question answering time. Um, I didn't get I didn't get a chance to see them. Uh, my favorite band of all time, I guess, is like a, a, indie, a lot of indie rock too. Um, I love a lot of uh, underground rap. Um, like, dude, I was listening to Donald Glover uh, years, years before he like he actually like actually started making like legit music. <laughs> okay. 
was, it was back in the day where I was listening um, to Childish Gambino. Oh, God, back in... I remember thumping Freaks and Geeks, like, as soon as that shit had dropped. And that was when he was still... Like, was he doing that, like, what, like a season or two into Community? Or was that, like, even before Community? I was. I listened to some of his stuff... Um, before, uh, I think while he was actually still doing Community, um, I think he dropped the I Am Not a Rapper. Oh, God, what is it? Or Cul de Sac, which is one of his EPs or mixtapes or whatever. Um, I think that one came out while he was at doing Community. Uh, Freaks and Geeks came out like uh, 2000, 2010, so he probably left community uh no i think that was still that was still probably right around like mid community um i'm sure imdb would help or if our listeners want to look that up but um just knowing from experience uh i was in the uk in 2013 watching that downloaded and i had like four or five seasons of it on my laptop by that point so that was like 2008-ish okay. around there that they started. So um, it was probably that was still most of the uh, okay most of the time there. Okay, yeah, I remember thumping that. I remember working in the library and thumping that shit because it was so dope. It was such like I mean it, that was a song like. The one on the um, left. Yeah, so he, uh, sorry, I got distracted by HQ. Um, so, yeah, so I remember working in the library and listening to that. God, it was so dope. So fucking dope, dude. Um, I, um, God, I love that so much. Oh, so good. I remember listening to that. And he actually, like, I remember hearing that song at a commercial. And, um, like I remember listening to hearing that in an Adidas commercial with Dwight Howard. Yeah, and then doing like a was, double take. Yeah, yeah. I was like, whoa. I'm like, I know that song. I'm like, good for Donald Glo-. like you know, I remember oh my god, he did this uh he did this he did this what is it called? I think it's called uh Break the Lights, which uses that song, uh the Kanye the Kanye beat from All the Lights, All the Lights. And it's so it's so good, but so yeah. So I listened I listened to him for a while. Um, and um, like I listened to him doing a ton of like listen to him. Uh, Shad, my favorite band ever is Minus the Bear. Um, they're like this indie prog rock thing uh, that I just love the way everything everything they do sounds. Yeah, I've never um, gotten into them, but I've had some friends that were huge Minus fans. Um, and so it was, yeah. it was stuff where they were always on my radar, but they were just stuff that never kind of, like, dug up for me. Yeah. Most of the stuff lately I've been getting into, which is, like, odd because it's kind of, like, pseudo-mainstream at the same time, but um, a lot of the uh, Discover uh, playlists on Spotify – for me have been finding a lot of good like deep cuts by popular mm-hmm. artists but songs that aren't getting promoted um so like uh yeah like fallout boy did a cover of i want to dance with somebody by whitney houston um and they so, did a co- 
so that's a pretty awesome cut there. Um, and that's where like that and like two other songs. Um, there's another guy who just does basic, uh, like kind of singer songwriter style covers. Um, but he covered learning to fly. Um, so basically the four hour flight I had to and from Las Vegas last week, uh, was similar to you. Um, basically like three songs to two of those being in that three song set, just listening to those on repeat while I was in the air and like napping and yep. driving the, the woman crazy next to me because I wasn't watching justice league. I just had it like sitting like ready to play like on the headset in front of me. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, there's been a, like a couple of weeks straight. Like I found some really good um, stuff either. That's like deep cuts or covers by, you know, well-known artists, but stuff that's not getting promoted as singles um, or stuff where it's just like bands and groups I've never heard of that. Like, sounds really similar to a lot of the stuff that I do listen to, hence why it's getting suggested to me on Spotify. Um, but then still like good deep cuts or um, just kind of newer stuff that like, I've just very similar to, to bands that are other big bands, but I just haven't kind of had a lot of their albums in my mainstream stuff. So that's been my way of like, always like Friday morning coming up and like digging through a lot of the discover weekly stuff on Spotify. And always it's like a 30 or 40 song list. And I usually end up getting about three good gems out of there. So I've been happy with that. Um, they did a cover of Love Will Tear Us Apart okay. uh, by Joy Division, and you're like, it's, I actually really enjoy that cover. Um, I'll, pu- I'll put that on my list to, to look up as well. <laughs> it's, I actually really like the cover, um, because he, because he tries um, I actually listened to a podcast and it said they tried to say it was like one of the worst covers of all time. And I'm like, you guys obviously haven't done your research. Oh, yeah. Like, There's a lot of shitty covers out there. And, and like, well, this is the thing, too. It's like, I don't know if you've listened to like a ton of Joy Division, but like the original song, you know, like. The original song's not like fucking, you know, it's a good song, but it's not like, it's not known for like its vocal prowess. Yeah. I mean, the only time I listen to Joy Division is like when I'm like just surfing on Sirius and it pops up on one of the channels yeah. where just like, I don't feel like changing yeah. it. Yeah. So you know what I mean? It's just like, it, it, you know. I just wish, you know, like, it's just, I don't think it was necessarily fair to, to, to Fall Out Boy, you know. I mean, Joy Division songs don't, they sound a very specific way, and if you did a cover of one of those now, and just did a straight cover of a Joy Division song, people would say that it sounds like shit. Yeah. You know, I, and look, I like Joy Division, like, you know, um... Let me make that clear for, you know, I listen to weird bands like the fucking Buzzcocks, you know, um, punk band that basically just only wrote love songs. Yeah. Uh, they have such hits as Orgasm Addict, you know. Um, you know, I uh, actually was starting to listen, like I've been getting into math rock a little bit more since, you know, uh, my, I, I feel like Minus the Bear is totally the gateway drug into math rock. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so... Um, I've been more apt to listen to American football, um, or, uh, this town needs guns, 
Um, you know, just checking them out. Uh, I also listen to a lot of 80s music. <laughs> um, I am probably the only black person that knows all the words to Tiffany's I Think We're Alone Now. Um, <laughs> it's one of Amanda's favorite songs since that was something that they listened to a lot in college. So you'd be surprised that I've been to a lot of events with her that uh, that goes on. And there's a lot of people that go crazy for it. So um, somewhere, yeah, when I'm picking people out in the crowd that which person is going to go crazy for it, there's a lot of surprises. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, and I, I get, like, a lot of that from my mom. Um, I have, like, a weird soft spot for pop music, but only if it's really catchy. It's really 100% exactly the same. Like, I mean, I don't listen to all pop, but then there's, like, some pop songs where it's like, you know, that's just a pop song. I'm like, yeah, but it's a fucking good pop song. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, there's, there's certain ones like that where it just ends up being a, like, a certain ones that, you know, are legitimate home runs and they're just, they're perfect to kind of run with. So, um, I'm, I'm very much the same way. Yeah. There's that I did not do well playing HQ, by the way, I lost like nine questions ago. Um, I didn't know how to make a call private. (laughs) Apparently you can dial star 67 and then a number and it comes up, makes your call private. I've never known that. I've never done that. Um, so, oh God, so I, um, yeah, I have, it's, you know, I really have a, I have a real soft spot for, uh, Michael Jackson. Um, cause so much of that music was so catchy and so good and just like, like really strangely well composed and constructed. Um, you know, and super soft spot for my, uh, for, uh, Michael Jackson. Um, well, and God. one of the other, my favorite covers of all time is fallout boys cover of beat it with John Mayer on the guitar portion of it. Um, and so that's, I, I've had more than a number of people be like, like, I don't like fallout boy, but I love Michael Jackson. And so like, I love that one where it's like younger kids, um, quote unquote, uh, that, you know, aren't huge Michael Jackson fans, but like love fallout boy. And then love that song. So it's like, it's <laughs> when it like spans genres and spans like generations. So that's like one of my, like, that's like a perfect cover for me. Um, and so like, I, that's pretty much like when I'm bored and like have absolutely nothing to do and like, don't want to scroll through social media. Like that's what I do. Like on, um, on Spotify, just go hunting for like good covers and like add them to a playlist so I can consistently just like listen to covers. So I don't know what it says where like, I can't listen to the original song and I just want to hear like the other song of it. But, um, Mm -hmm. I think for me, a lot of it goes back to, uh, like in, I want to say I was probably in college, um, but hearing the Atari's cover of boys of summer, um, which was just like, hitting like the hard rock alternative beat, but then having like the classic Don Henley version as well. And like having it be mm-hmm. the same exact song, except for like two words. Um, and then it just like it being just like a punched up version of the song and just having that much more um, like adrenaline in it. Uh, and so that was, I think like since then that's kind of always like turned me on to, to covers in uh, a good way. Yeah. So if you ever want an actual breakdown of like what fallout boy songs are actually good, um, <laughs> As as uh, as someone who was in a crowd who who grew up in a crowd of folks that heavily list heavily listened to Fall Out Boy, I can actually tell you what songs are theirs are pretty good, um, and it's not anything from like the last like 
10, 10 years. I mean, it's, <laughs> they have like one or two songs here or there. Like there's somewhere yeah, like some yeah. of the songs, like you get used in spots. Like there was the light them up song was used in like the NHL playoffs. So one year, which was a good one, um, which I don't even remember what the, the name of the actual song is. Um, but then like, they're mm-hmm. also like go through like releasing a lot of albums that I completely like now the only way, like I know like most any band is releasing an album is because Spotify tells me it's out. Um, so like that's the, that's how you know close I'm paying attention to stuff. Well, that in the fact that bands in town spams me like 750 fucking emails a day. Um, <laughs> so like I I know where everybody is playing like across the country. No matter how I change my notification settings, they keep telling me. Um, so it's like we know you don't want to know, but we really think you'll be upset if you miss this one. So we're going to tell you anyway. Um, so that's the only reason like I know about albums and concerts is thanks to to bands in town and Spotify just telling me when I log in, which is the nice thing. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, 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 cause I had to double check some of my phone. So like the only fallout boy album I have is the first one that I bought off iTunes. Um, like with, that one's uh, take, I take this to your grave. Uh, let me actually, I think it made it, it may not technically be the first one then it's not, nah, it's from under the cork tree. So whichever one sugar we're going down okay. on is, is on. Cause that's my, regardless of anything else, that's like one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, and then, uh, regardless of, you know, lyrical content or whatever, um, Ooh. But that's uh that that's the one I the only one I have. But then like I know they've had other ones and know they've had like a couple of hits from like certain singles or certain albums. Um, but then most of the mm-hmm. time, like I know it's been just like one song a piece. Yes. Okay. So before I forget, so I know I've never told you this because I very rarely ever tell people this. So I have constructed a rudimentary theory on how to approach an artist to get their general best sound. Like, if you're just, like, you've come across an artist for the first time, you want to know what um, what their sound was like before they got heavily commercialized. Because mm-hmm. it happens to... It ha- it's not my inner hipster coming out. I'm ripping plaid shirts and flannel off right now. Um, and my and my and my glasses and my uh, and my mustache. Well, it's it's bound I'm to playing. happen. Like it's it's going to be a sine wave because you have the original sound. That's why they get popular. Then they mm-hmm. make it. They they get signed. They make it big, and then they want to get into a studio. And you have too many execs getting their hands on it. Sometimes it's yeah. successful. Sometimes it's not. Then it kind of goes down. And then they want to do their own like thing or be like artsy or get back to the beginning. And it kind of you know trends downward and kind of departs from the the more mainstream stuff. And then comes back and forth. So I've seen many acts and many artists and many of my favorite bands kind of go on that path too but i've never mm. really kind of had a approach or like a prescriptive guide to figuring out how to figure that out so i'm interested to hear yes so these are so these are this is rough uh usually general general rule of thumb so if you come across the band the first time if someone recommends you an album um this is this generally works for for my found 65 to 75 percent of the albums you come across the really good key songs are in tracks three to six. That's usually where you're going to find like the hit single from the radio is going to be right in that groove of three to six. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you want to see if you'd like a band you pick, you listen to basically, you don't listen to the first, first couple songs. You start three to six, possibly have to go up to eight, depending on how, song and this generally works for like a 12 anywhere from 11 to 13 14 track album yeah i was gonna say that sounds about Uh, right for like a 10 to 13 track album yeah so um i mean if you look like you mentioned for under the cork tree 
Sugar We're Going Down, I think, is track three on that album. Um, it's either, th- I think it's three or four. I think it's four, uh, which is, I could be wrong yeah. on my phone. Um, no, I, it probably is four. I'm trying to think of this. The song, give me the track list. Dance Dance is, was a very popular, popular oh, yeah. radio that starts at three. Um, I'm thinking of another album. Um, and it works across like, uh, any, any genre, uh, of music is, uh, regardless of the, of the genre um now there are some bands i have found that necessarily don't stick to this um yellow card blows their load early all the time i think it's part of the reason i don't think yellow card could ever really put together a good album um sorry if you really like yellow card i like a couple songs um but like with lights and sounds uh that's the first sound that's the first song on that cd and then the rest of that cd kind of not great um and so you basically know where to look in a track to see, to get a general feel of what their more popular played songs are going to be. Um, and that's a good chance to hear the radio single, which is like their best, you know, best or most popular song or what through defining song as you would say. Mm-hmm. Um, now when you get exposed to a new artist and you're finding them, you basically start when they hit their mainstream albums um eps and all that basically you're going to have a lot of covers and there's going to be you're going to come across a lot of the same songs over and over again uh, over and over again going through an artist's eps um because they're still developing their craft so if you want to hear what ends up being the definitive most popular sound of an artist you go for their second album so you basically um go for right in that middle you so like you go in the middle three it starts to get too commercialized the first albums three like the third albums that come out in in, in a, a band or an artist comes out with are generally pretty good but they're not as good as the second album uh and the first one ends up being a bit too raw so if you basically end up looking at an artist's mainstream second album and look at tracks basically three to six you get to basically hear like that's like that's the sweet spot, um, and it may sound crazy, but like um, we can—I mean, we could test it out to see how wrong I would be. Um, do you have like um, like a artist? Uh, let me just an, pull uh, one up on my phone or an album. Quick. Let me just go to yeah. go here and just let me get to the top and just tell me when to stop. Yep, stop. Okay, Our Lady Peace. Right. Let's see. Um, and let's see. They started. Oh, let me look at the Wikipedia so I could get their discography, and then I can get this figured out. And then I imagine you're more fam- you're more familiar with this band than I am. Um. So their second album is Clumsy. Is that right? Uh, yeah, or... pretty much. Um, I mean, that's going to be the, the one that is most commonly recognized where it's again, like the difference between full album versus EP. So Navid okay. was the, the first album and then clumsy was the second one. Okay, cool. Um, and then it looks like, 
in spots three to six, we've got 4 a.m. Because that has a highlighted Wikipedia thing. And I noticed in my search, uh, that song looks like it has a music video. So it's probably a really popular song by them. Um, and then, let's see. And we can do this. So in that, and then there was, and that one, that one looks like it started off with... Um, Superman's Dead, uh, Automatic Flowers, yep. and then you got yeah those so those those links are are blue, so they have their own pages. The uh, um, the most popular one off this album is going to be the title track "Clumsy," um, okay. which is the one I actually have on my phone and what got me in there. Um, I can't recall 4 a.m. off the top of my head, but I know it's I I have it on my phone, so I know it's also another good one. Um, but then Superman's Dead is also like one of the other big mm-hmm. uh, singles off of that track. But it's definitely like this one's kind of pushing it to go to up to seven, and that's the yep. one that that they ended up hitting you know a home run with to get a lot of their listeners yep. into it. Yeah, and that's generally like that's generally the rule of thumb. Like that speech that sweet spot moves around a little bit. Um, I, with certain bands, you do have to, as I said earlier, you do end up having to go up to eight. Um, and sometimes if, I mean, it looks like they had, um, that actually looks like a bit of a more interesting case where they basically had, um, they started off with two popular songs, slipped into one that may not be as well as known and then slipped into another one that, I mean, it's got its own damn music video. So it's gotta be something Mm -hmm. usually random, random, random songs like that. Don't get. Yeah, the, the super deep cups usually don't have uh, music videos made after them unless the band just looking to piss away money. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, that's basically what I've always figured out. Um, you end up getting... And the second albums end up being much more um, easy listening kind of albums, if that makes any sense, um, where you could generally put on the whole album and listen to it from um, top to bottom. Or start to finish. Um, like, for instance, I know, um, like, here's Motion City Soundtrack, Commit This to Memory album. Um, this album, that album actually is pretty good. Um, let's see, let's get the track list. So, um, Everything is Alright is the second track, uh, which is probably the most popular song on this album because that was in that movie with Justin Long and... Was that Jonah Hill? Oh, oh, where they make the fake college accepted? Is that it? Yeah. 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 So, and this song's in there. Um, and that's arguably the most popular song out of this um Probably Motion City Soundtrack's most popular song. It's the second there, um, but I will say I've listened to this album a, a ton. Um, tracks three, five, and six are absolute punk pop bangers. Mm-hmm. Like they give you a better idea of what this band sounds like than everything is alright. Um, I'm trying to think of another. Oh, we try another genre, uh, another genre. Um, let's see. Uh, let's try the uh, Marshall Mathers LP. Um, 
Now, this one is a bigger... I think there's like 21 songs on this album, or 15. Here we go. Marshall Mathers LP. Do you want to take a guess at what the third song listed here is? My, no, is that My Name Is? Stan! Okay. Featuring Dido, which was huge. Oh, yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. Right? Huge song. Uh, my Name Is is on the other his first uh first yeah, I, I was confusing which which one was which but yeah so so yeah. that that makes complete sense yep um and then let's see what what is the what is that first lp called it is uh um, it's i'm drawing a blank on it but that's it it's something that's very similar and like dead simple compared to to that yeah, I can't remember either. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of another. Oh, this one's shady LP. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what I thought it was, too, but. Once again, his second album is has more of a defining sound for him than his first, I think. Um, let's see. My name is is number two, and then you've got um, what was it? Guilty conscience? Yeah, I mean, you know, as I said, it's a it's a hard hard fast rule. Uh, not it's not a hard fast rule. I mean, but um, for the most part, it's it's gonna. I think you'll you'll have more hits than misses. So if you're taking it yeah. to Vegas, I think you're safe. Um, yeah. Whereas like you're gonna have some like Lincoln Park, where Hybrid Theory is just such a defining album that I don't think anybody like would ever say like another album is gonna be anywhere close to that. Um, that is that is true. But like I mean, so th- there's always gonna be outliers. But then for the for the most part, like the bands that are either known or well known or have that number of albums that you have the ability to check out, uh, I I would have a, a level of confidence in there that I'd be willing to kind of use that to approach it. Yeah, this whole actually like the one album that like I'm just looking through this because this is their this is their technically their debut album, isn't it? Uh, Hybrid Theory. Yeah, Hybrid Theory is their, their first mainstream album. Yeah, um, this whole album literally just dis like if you wanted to like is is it's the total antithesis to the the rough the rough theory. I'm just looking through it where um, well. Um, I'm try- I don't even know what the most popular song off this would be. Um, um, would it be "Crawling"? Because I mean, that does fall. In the- "Crawling" does fall in the sweet spot. Um, but you've got like one step closer. I I, I want to say "Paper Cut" was the initial like hit off of it, um, and like that was like their first single. Uh, okay. And then like I think it, I think it basically went like paper cut one step closer crawling and then in the end and then the and then like by the time in the end got massive radio play like the whole album blew up yeah. um and then so now it's just like that's one of the ones that I can just put on repeat and just listen to that album like ad nauseum for yeah. no problem um but yeah that's one of the ones where it was just like they like they really knew how to like line that album and then knew exactly what it was as opposed to like I do I have the full album no like I don't even have the full album of Meteora on my phone, but somewhere I belong was the biggest <laughs> hit off of that album. And that was number three. So, I mean, that's, yep. that's going to hold there, but it's still as far as the hit off the album. But then I, I mean, I still think like hybrid theory is a much more popular album outright. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God, this is a, yeah, that, that album was pretty popular when I was in school. Um, yeah. So it's, 
it's a you know it, it's you know not hard and fast but it's an interesting thing to think about i don't even know like i spent so much time um listening to listening to like a ton of music where there are some bands that follow it some that don't um in my personal example the like um license sounds is <laughs> and the reason i keep talking about it so i so i bought lights and sounds as physical media at like 15 dollars at a best buy okay uh because that song like his license song lights uh was it lights and sounds i keep saying it i'm saying it so much that the words are losing their meaning that's like every time um, I, I basically <laughs> uh go through and, and try to code something where if i'm debugging something i'll stare at a four-letter word for like three hours on end and be like is this actually an even word in the English language any longer? And I'm starting to doubt like whether I'm breathing oxygen or whether I still have like an involuntary ability to control my breathing, or if I have to focus on that instead of spelling this four letter <laughs> word for the 10,000th time. So yeah, I, I completely understand that. Um, so I bought that album and listened to it. And that was the first song. And I was like, okay, whatever we'll go. And then the rest of the album was just doo doo. I, it's arguably, one of my most disappointing purchases in my entire life. And you're talking to someone who just impulse spent like 150 bucks at a Toys R Us. Like, <laughs> yesterday. You know? <laughs> like, and when, as soon as I saw it, I can't return. I was like, oh, man, I'm locked into this. Still a better, better impulse purchase than Lights and Sounds. Because at least I know I can have fun with a Nerf gun that I bought. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um... Is closer to a hundred because my mom asked me to pick. My mom's like really big into the minion stuff, so it was that was all like at least fifty percent off on the liquidation stuff. So I was like, just knocking everything into the cart. I know I, I basically live like the the kid dream of like going to Toys R Us, filling out a filling up a cart and not like not caring about the end result. But that's like the one of the last times I'll that, and like. Made me so sad. Made me so fucking sad inside. But, um, like where to, it, it made me so sad and mildly irrational to the point where like I'm trying to convince myself that I can buy the entrance sign to the Toys R Us in Durham. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm gonna fucking buy it. They're they're not gonna have any use for it. I can buy it. And then I'm like, where am I gonna put it? It's huge. I, I, I mean, guess I just you, put it in the garage. We'll put that, and then basically that, and then your two WWE cardboard cutouts, um, and then uh, I mean, you you you're basically like starting your own like little. Uh, I mean, it's almost like your own little like big factory um, <laughs> there. So I mean, eventually, don't, yeah. Don't well, for, I mean, you do work. Don't forget. <laughs> Go ahead. I was gonna say, don't forget the Neo Geo cabinet too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you you do work at a uh, at a storage facility, so um, I'm not saying like you could basically run an arcade out of there, but you probably could at this point. Oh my god, I know it'd be so funny. I mean, you're not housing yeah. humans, so I think that's still like legal inside the the realm of whatever waiver you're signing, um, or at least that's the one that I had to sign here in Chicago. Um, but. Uh, uh, and speaking of which, I haven't been back in a while, so I don't know if uh, all of the uh, the bulk MTG product I have is still safe or not. Um, but uh, uh, the rest of it's just kind of crap. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think uh, with you know a sign, the uh, 
um, the WWE figures, Neo Geo, and the rest of your game collection, you could you could house a pretty spiffy uh, play your own uh, vintage game collection. I know, I know. It's just so funny to me. I uh, God, I just yeah. I'm sitting there, like I'm just sitting there, and like uh, out of control, just uh, out of control. Like I mean, I mean, it makes me so sad. Like, um, man, Toys R Us, man. Made me so sad. I mean, um, I know I've told my Toys R Us story on here about like going to, going up there and then getting uh, a uh, Ultraman action figure and then like playing with that um, <laughs> all night. Once I got home, and that's the night like eight or OJ um, and Al yeah. Callings were were in the the white Bronco going down the four hundred five. Um, but then even like as an adult, um, uh, the the one that I remember mostly is the the one in Crossroads. Um, and I was just talking with a, mm-hmm. another friend from North Carolina today on Twitter about that, where like he went and bought something, but then he was mostly just like walking around and like going like full nostalgia in there. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to say like there's a handful of games that I picked up there, like because that was like midway between work and uh, when I was in Holly Springs, because um, they like they had like decent deals on video games and stuff like that. So I would, yeah. I would always like pop in um, driving through and stuff like that. And I think I'm pretty sure I, that's where I got like Mortal Kombat X from um, and like a handful of other games uh, it, or I think maybe just Mortal Kombat, not Mortal Kombat X. So whichever one I think was Mortal Kombat was on the 360. So I think whichever one was on the 360 um, I picked up from there. I want to say there was something – I know there there was something like Ninja Turtle related that I bought from there, but I just can't figure out what the hell it is. Um, and so I, like, I, I've been racking my brain all day to figure that one out, um, but I don't know what that is. But that, w- that was another store where like I would go in. They had some magic stuff here and there that was a decent deal, um, but I would go in and just you know look at the video games or just look at like the other toys or like a lot of the Star Wars stuff and, and Marvel stuff and shit like that. Um, cause it was always a better, uh, experience than, than going to Walmart in the toy selection that they had there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of the, the nostalgia of, of just the, that whole concept going away now. I know, I know. Um, I know I went from the, I went from the high, high of going, here's my crazy theory <laughs> on music album selections. Um, and, uh, to, here's the sad thing. There's the sad, the sad thing about this. I mean, cause I didn't even, I don't even think I even mentioned this. Like I, my, my mom and I used to go to the Pokemon leagues at toys, that toys R us in crossroads. What's well, so I, that's what, when you, when you posted earlier today, I didn't even know that like they hosted stuff there. Like they hosted like active stuff there. Um, so yeah. I mean, that's a surprise to me. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I mean, I spent a lot of time in a fucking, in that toys R us. And like, it just makes me like, I had, you know, I was like explaining to the ladies at the, you know, I, cause I had to take some deposits and I'm in the bank so much, all, they all know me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, <laughs> cause I'm making that money. Um, and I'm not making that money. That was just those, that was a lie. <laughs> well, it, um, you didn't say like who you're making it for. Yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, not necessarily for yourself. I'm not even making that money for them. Let's be real. <laughs> oh, shit, I took one of the deposits I took today was for nine dollars and sixty cents. <laughs> it all adds just, up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's all. It's everybody pays with credit cards, so I don't even have to do anything with this. Yeah. Um. So the so I'm sitting there. I'm telling them. I'm like, yeah, Toys R Us went on. A, you know, I'm telling them why, and it's like basically they got bet by you know like. Uh, uh, a capital investment firm took him, took him, uh, took him, took Toys R Us private in 2005, saddled them with five billion dollars in debt, and then washed their hands of it. 
And it's like shit like that should be illegal. Yeah, like, I mean, that's like that's definitely like hashtag capitalism there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, so yeah. And she's like, well, what, well, I mean, they should have. I'm like, no. I'm like, this is. How, yeah, I explain it to her, and she's like, oh. And I'm like, yeah. That's why it's like super shitty. Is that you know people are losing the opportunity to maybe make a memory with it. And it, I know it's stupid to say that a store can be is an appropriate setting to make a memory with. Uh, 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 I was going to say dependent. Um, tax season. So, um, but no, I mean, it's a strange environment where, you know, you're going there. It's, it's, it's an environment that's created on the idea of the parent or the governing body of the, ch- of the child that goes there that they're giving up their time because like as an adult, there's nothing at Toys R Us for us, mm-hmm. you know, gener- generally speaking, you know, I'm not going to find the extension cord that I need. I'm specifically here. There's like a, there's like a small moment of, it's a small tangible moment almost because there's, there's something attached to it because there's a physical product of the parent giving themselves to their, to their child. Yep. Um, and you know, and even what it ever, it's like, it doesn't, you know, they're not buying, buying pyro wheel or, you know, it could even be like as simple as like, Oh, here's this little $10 action figure or this. And the fact that like, that's not going to be a thing anymore is a total bummer. Well, I mean, like I said, the ability for me to still recall vividly, like the experience I had getting that power man toy and then, um, it's still being like a topic of discussion. That's pretty regular now. Um, yeah. But then, like the other ones, like like not really having that in a context all its own. Like um, yeah. now, like again, like kids are going to need to to go to the Walmart to kind of experience that or Target to experience that. But that's like in the context of grocery shopping or clothes shopping and all of that stuff. And you yeah. just don't have the kind of the wonderment that's just assigned strictly yeah. to the the toy store. Yeah. So I mean, it's a total bummer. Um, I've been trying not to think. I'm, I do. I mean, it was bad. Yeah, did you ever want to see a twenty-eight-year-old, three hundred fifty-pound, six-foot-one black man cry in the middle of a fucking yeah. Toys R Us with a cart full of toys? Because I was fucking close. Like, because I'm just sitting there and I'm like, you know. And I was sitting there and I was talking to my mom on the phone and I go, "It's insane." Where so the toy, the founder of Toys R Us died really like a couple days after the news broke that Toys R Us was basically bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, busted out of Monopoly. It's having to sell all of its properties to pay off all of its debts to other players. Um, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, the dude's last name was fucking Lazarus, right? Yeah. And so I'm just sitting there thinking with my li- my limited Bibble knowledge about Laz- Lazarus and how someone, how it's almost ironic or completely fitting that someone named Lazarus was able to instill bits of nostalgia into kids so whenever they thought about that company when they were adults they remember what it was like to be youthful in a time where they would almost feel more alive in a way bringing them back to life like that's nuts to me and like 
you know, maybe that's maybe that's a stretch, but like realizing all of that and in this moment and I'm in the time I'm like going through this store, you know, I'm going through the Durham store with a with a, you know, a buddy of mine and I'm just sitting here and I'm thinking about all this stuff and I'm just remembering all of that and I'm remembering those moments with my mom and and all of that and the moments that I had with my aunt um, because sometimes um, I would go over to her house when I was uh, when I was younger and um, you know it'd be like oh well uh, we got to Chuck E. Cheese too late but we can go to Toys R Us I'll get your you know I'll get mm-hmm. you a toy and, like I just remembering all of that and just thinking about the, all like all that shit was just hitting me all at once and. I was so upset because once again, as a millennial, you end up feeling powerless in a situation that you had no control over because of the decisions that older people made. Um, you know, and it's just it, it, it's the. I mean, to go super, you know, super political, but um, it, I, I believe it, it captures everything that I don't like that in this world that we've created for ourselves. Um, the, the destruction of something that the destruction of something beautiful for the sake of greed. Yeah. For the almighty dollar, you know, and I, you know, the fact that it, you know, like, and I see that attitude all over the place and it's like, can't we think of each other as people? I mean, the fact that I constantly have to explain why universal healthcare might not be a bad thing. Yeah. You know, it's like people, well, I don't want to pay for their mistakes. I'm like, buddy, I don't have any kids. I'm a taxpayer. You're using government funding to pay for your daycare because you're a single parent. Yeah. I'm paying for that. I'm okay with it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's just like, uh, maybe it's okay to help out somebody else, uh, regardless. I mean, because, Again, I'm not really, you know, claiming that much biblical knowledge either. Um, but in my point of view, isn't that what Jesus would do? Like, it, it, I mean, that's 110% like the argument that I keep coming back to where it's just like, I mean, again, it's not like all the almighty dollar is the, the best thing and all that stuff. And so that's where when you look at it, I understand corporations and some of that stuff. But then there's a right. lot of things that you can do to as a community, as society to to prevent that from being the end all be all part to, that says like that's the the determining factor. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in those conversations where it's like, well, I don't want to pay for that. It's like, well, OK, like eventually at some point, like you got to where you are by somebody else paying for something to help you leverage something you didn't right. have. So like it, as a community, hence the word community, like we can contribute to that and, and work <laughs> together to, to do that. Um, as opposed to, um, like the only way you're not doing that is if you're like on a farm in the middle of Montana and you're currently like, uh, quote unquote off the grid and going completely uh you know doomsday prepper type thing because otherwise like you're paying taxes to go help for things that like you don't use regardless so if it if we can maximize where that money goes to make it beneficial for the most people as opposed to like lining other people's pockets then yeah like that seems to me like a, a quality uh like choice of healthcare is is a good way to go <laughs> yeah you know so it you know, it just just in, 
it just encapsulates all of that for me. And um, it may not make any sense. And you can call me a bleeding heart liberal hippie. I mean, it's it's whatever. Like I'm not pro business. You know, uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not anti business. I should say. Um, you know, but you you gotta kind of control the businesses sometimes, so they're not shitty. Well, I mean, and now like you know? I think that's kind of the with Citizens United that ends up being the the case where the dollar speaks more than you know people do right now because that's what businesses are voting as people and donating as mm-hmm. people um and this coming from someone who works for a very large corporation um and so like i still understand the concept of that um but like at the end of the day there still are people that make up everything and eventually like that money's going somewhere um and then so again i mean it's just the, the whole you know, uh, wealth disparity and, and things like that, where the divides just keep happening based on, you know, who's in, mm-hmm. who's in what areas. Um, so trying to, you know, keep it level and, and kind of give back and, and work in the community to build stronger communities um, and, you know, uh, less uh, radically diverse uh, on the, the income spectrum um, is, is something that makes sense to me and, and something that, you know, I don't think we'll get to just based off of, you know, the only, the only thing people in power want is more power. Um, same with people with money, they just want more money. Um, so it it ends up being something (laughs) that, uh, that's very difficult to, to achieve or have any actionable action on. So we'll see where that goes. It's funny. I was watching the Simpsons last night, um, because I have a goal to make it through all, of the Simpsons. Um, and All so it's sixty four seasons of it. Yes. And so far, um, I skipped the first two seasons. I started with season three because that's when the show really hit its groove. Um, and I've basically watched the Simpsons with it on or in the background. Um, I'm up to season, I think 20. Okay. So not much longer. Um, I'm in the home stretch. I feel like, um, but I was watching an episode last night and one of the few, um, one of the few laughs, anything past like season 15 has gotten for me, um, is Bart and Homer start collecting coins and they need one, like they need one more coin and they have to go to a, a coin auction and Burns turns to Smithers and goes, I have bought all of these coins and yet for some reason, I don't feel happy. Yeah. I think I'll buy another one. <laughs> and then he buys another one. So, um, but yeah, so like, I mean, it's just that perfect, a perfect example of that. Um, and I, I you know, I, I really wish it wasn't like that. And I really wish we'd think about other people instead of our, uh, ourselves, um, or our own profit or our own bottom line, you know, um, before that, and I'm not saying you have to give, you know, everything, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I mean, a little kind of like off your back isn't a bad thing to help your fellow neighbor type thing. Um, and yeah. I mean, living where we live in the city, like, I mean, we can see. I, I see both sides of the conversation all day, every day. Um, I see it in work, or I see it like in action, um, and then I see it like. Uh, also in in action um, or like where things could be used better. But like, again, it's the conversation of living in a community and having it move towards um, 
something where, yeah, it's not going to be Nirvana. Like we're never going to get to uh, this utopia. Uh, I mean, many people have tried, um, you know, to, to go off the grid and go full scale, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, there's reasons why it doesn't work just based on humans and things. Um, but mm-hmm. I mean, putting in checks and balances and just being a little bit more open hearted um, is the, the way of, of kind of um, that I try to be as opposed to the, uh, the hard and fast and, and much more um, do as I say, not as I do type that kind of got us to where we mm-hmm. are. Yeah. You know, but um, so, as we've talked about that, uh, HQ did another surprise game. That's what that little blip was. So, um, so I, I know we talked about that a little bit. Um, did you actually uh, want to talk about the marches that happened at all? Uh, yeah, um, I mean, I don't know how much you followed it. I, I followed a couple of the locations, um, and we had, uh, uh, the, the reason I didn't get much done is once I got home, uh, we ended up with a puppy as, as I told you, um, not just like I found right. one on the doorstep, we had planned to get one, but it just happened to be after a week in Vegas and then coming back from there being a zombie and then uh, him being, uh, pretty young, uh, and his sleep schedule being all off. Like I don't even know like what hours I was sleeping over the weekend versus not trying to get him acclimated to, um, to daytime versus nighttime. Uh, so most of the, most of that stuff I was playing catch up on instead of watching anything live or anything like that. But, um, I don't know what, uh, what coverage of that you, uh, you were able to see. Uh, so I ended up having to work this weekend. Um, and so I, I saw a little bit, you know, um, through Facebook actually had a friend, um, uh, who wasn't able to make the march, but some of his poems did. Oh, so nice. that was kind of cool to see that. Um, As it just uh, ended up getting posted around. The one in D.C. or just everywhere? Uh, the, yeah, D.C. Okay, that's um, awesome. So that was kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, I was, um, you know, I always supported it, um, obviously. Um, you know, because we've talked about that before. Um, but there's just certain things you necessarily probably shouldn't have, uh, because real talk, Jethro, if the government wants to squash you and your buddies that have your AR-15s, they're gonna just fucking drone strike you. That's the point, and like I understand, like the point of it's in the Constitution. Well, you know why it's in the Constitution? Because it's in an amendment. Like that means that the original document was changed to make that point. Um, so the fact that it can be changed and it is a living document means something. And then the fact that it says Mm -hmm. we can get into the pedanticism of a well-regulated militia versus, as you said, Jethro, um, just having, having guns there. Um, and there was, uh, I'll have to try to find it. I forget where I saw it, but there was, um, there was, uh, uh, a picture from one of the marches, um, uh, there are a number of them surface with uh, these uh, dickheads uh, taking fully like in open carrying AR-15s um, to the marches and stuff like that. Um, but then there was one where it was basically a guy dressed in like a camo uh, uh, hat and he had an AR-15 and, and a vest and some bullshit. Um, and then like his sign that he wasn't holding up, but the sign he was holding in his hand said gun control is racism. Uh, or gun control is racist. Um, And then there was a, like a five-year-old with like a a ice pop standing next to him being like, I shouldn't have to die for your toys. Um, And so, I mean, to me, that's it in a nutshell. It's like, yeah, I understand hunting. I've had, like, I grew up with friends that wanted to both bow hunt and, um, uh, and, you know, gun hunt, Um, you know, going to the range and, and stuff and, and, 
I understand both sides of the argument, but then at the same time, when people are dying, that ends up being something that regardless of the constitution, regardless of, you know, what's there, we can start trending towards more common sense laws around it and go through the process to change the document that the document itself outlines itself to be changed with. So it's not something that is you know, a whole negative thing. Um, but just the fact of like their people had nothing better to do than to be such an asshole to like take their AR-15 and open carry at these events is just like, again, it's the, um, the big Lebowski meme where it's like, you're not wrong, but you're just an asshole. Um, and those are yep. t- to me, it's just like how, like how little of a person do you have to be to like, to have that be what you decided to do on your Saturday? Yeah. Like I just, <sighs> these people just make no sense to me. Um, to be honest, they make absolutely no sense to me. And I wish like, you know, it's not, uh, nobody's trying to infringe on your right to own a gun. They just want to make it so it's safer for people in general. Like, look, I can understand big government and government regulation cannot be good in some cases, and sometimes it overcomplicates things. But, like, you know, sometimes it's it's sometimes it's necessary. If slavery can be defined as a fucking necessary evil then you can fucking have some government regulation that makes much more sense as a necessary fucking evil because at least it's trying to protect its citizens, which, by the way, is the job of the fucking Constitution. Yeah, and that was a lot of the other... preamble. A lot of the other pieces that I saw and a lot of the signs that I I liked um, were basically like, well, the Second Amendment was written when I was counted as a three-fifths of a person. Um, And so, I mean, so yeah, we've come a long way from that too. So, I mean, uh, if you want to say gun control is racist, then uh, I I think, you know, if you're you're fighting that and you're just going back to the Second Amendment, then there's probably something else that you're kind of saying with a a little bit of subtlety there um, that's uh, along the the same route to, to kind of be the same thing. Yeah, you know, it's these people talk about the Constitution. It's just like the Bible. Nobody's actually read the Constitution. Nobody's read the Bible. It's it's the and though and some of the people who have only read like a couple parts of it and think they understand, they like got the entire cliff notes and basically understand it. Like, you know, I've you know, I've, I mean, if anything, the, I'm going to take the opinion of a constitutional scholar like there are people that do that like that's their job and like that's what they study and you know maybe get phds in um or you know masters in or teach that or teach constitutional law some of them even happen to become president so when i look at that person speaking on tv and take it from a, a kind of a place of learned experience and compounded experience as opposed to somebody who's just like, do to do, I want to play president this week and this is what we're going to do. Like, yeah, I'm going to like yeah. have more empathy for the individual who has over the course of his life shown and demonstrated the need to, or the desire to, you know, understand that living document, its implementation, how it's affected groups of people and, uh, you know, where, how it's changed over the course of 200 plus years. Um, as opposed to people who are just like, well, let's not think too fast now. And I'm just like, okay, well, like, where's your, where's your basis or where's your foundation coming from? As opposed to just being a, a public official who gets paid by lobbyists one way or another. Yeah. You know, I just, 
Uh, it just drives me nuts. Just it, it just absolutely drives me nuts. Like these people talk about stuff that they don't even know, and but are too arrogant to admit that they don't want to know anything. Do you know how often on a day to day basis, like I there's the ter- some termites in a windowsill at work. I didn't know there were termites because I've never seen a termite before. Mm-hmm. I was okay to admit that that I I had no idea what the fuck a termite had looked looked like. Exactly. You know, it's they they look fucking weird, by the way. But um, you know, it's like well, um, so like we, you know, it's okay not to know everything. It's one of the things I learned in school is that I ain't no shit. Like, I still don't know stuff now. I it, Every day, every day, I magically wish problems go away that I don't understand. Like, Yeah, I mean, like, you know how you learn things by saying, I don't know. Like, as opposed to being a being boastful or uh again this aligns very much with toxic masculinity and a lot of the conversation around that um and having it be something where everyone's an alpha etc cetera, etc cetera. um because again like you're not when all you're doing is going and playing uh and you know and and running around and i i understand having fun and taking guns to ranges and stuff like that but then when you're using that to overcompensate instead of something else like yeah you're gonna have issues or you're gonna have problems yeah, you know, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. Like I had, you know, it's, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's always a moot point, but you know, it, it, you just talk about stuff so much, you just don't end up getting anywhere with it, you know? And like it, stuff has to change. Like, I don't understand how you could look your child in the face if you had one and be like, my right to play with this uh, um, my right to play with this gun is more than your right to to be able to go to school and not worry about your safety. Yeah, and similar to that, all this bullshit about we don't need gun control or we don't need, you know, a march for our lives and all that shit where it's like instead of walk out, walk up. um, Where now all all of this, this is possibly the dumbest uh, thing I've ever heard in shifting of blame from adults and industries onto fucking children. Where so, So you're telling me that now instead of a child feeling safe when they go to school it's now on them to be a kid to learn go to school and then also be a group counselor for everyone else in the school at the same time so that they now have to be you're forcing them to be friends with everyone and to talk to everyone where that's now on them to feel to make that feel safe and they have to worry about everyone else being included and feeling safe because that's easier than making gun control legislation i'm an adult and i don't like talking to people at work like that that doesn't change like i mean (laughs) we're not going to be as much as like we talk about it like and a lot of the messages that that i get behind and things like that but it's still like we don't have to inherently be included everyone and everything all the time and for this like walk up walk up not walk out bullshit is some of the the laziest and most easiest like blame shifting i've ever seen possible because there's no way this would have like worked when when i was in high school like i i know like 
half the people I'm friends with on Facebook now, like I, from high school, like I understand like the groups we were in. And like, at that time, there's no way in hell, like all of this stuff would have like crossed, uh, you know, clicks or social circles and stuff like that. So for, for that to be like the method or the answer where now we're putting everyone from once you're in kindergarten, now you need to, to start making everyone feel good and kind of including everyone and, and talking to everyone every day and, you know, checking in on everyone. And then it's like, well, when are they going to be a fucking kid that they can just play or that they can just learn and kind of grow and, you know, let the adults protect them as opposed to, you know, them being and being ever vigilant on their own. Yeah, I like, you know, I it's so. Somebody, I, I, I saw somewhere that someone brought a good point. I, I just fell out of HQ again, by the way. Um, I think I was like three questions away from winning money. Um, I saw someone post uh, somewhere about if it's bullied kids that are doing all of this, how come you're not seeing like the gay kids and minorities yeah. and all this other shit shooting up schools? And like, you're not seeing that because those groups like have never been basically told the world is supposed to go a certain way for them. Exactly. And it basically ends up just being like this whole like this entitlement thing that's just so in- so insane that people just don't want to to admit it and it's so it's so stupid well it's 110 percent where i mean that's where there's there's justification for like the shooters and the most recent shooters and stuff like that um where with all of this stuff and even like some of the stuff that happened like in the past week um where the the white male shooters end up having a more positive uh media profile than people of color who are getting killed like you don't end up digging into the the white shooters but you know in no time then all of these innocent children that get killed like yeah they end up having you know their path past dug into and everyone who's done anything uh regardless of um as long as you know they're not caucasian that that's you know that's going to be brought up you know priority 1a whenever there's anything that happens to them or trying to like justify it Look at that terrorist bomber down in Austin. This is the thing is that we need to start classifying these people as domestic terrorists. And the reason they don't want to do that is because they look like them. Exactly. The fact that they're trying to that this dude committed possible it's it's very it's, the evidence is all pointing that he committed these racially motivated hate crimes to terrorize prominent black people in the community. And they're just like, oh, he was a quiet, nerdy kid who thought he could have built a bomb. Like, are you shitting me? This dude is a terrorist. Mm-hmm. You, you'll you find a mugshot of somebody who gets innocently gunned down just based on their race. If that, if that, if that, if the dude was, if it was, if that, if the, the Austin bomber was any other race besides white immediately classified as a domestic terrorist yep immediately and like that's the bullshit and people don't want to admit that that that's the world that like that's the world that 
we live in and they don't want to be bothered to fix it. It's the, well, I'll just keep my head down. Even that you're fucking complicit. You just like, I'll keep my head down and do whatever, you know? And <sighs> well, a lot of it goes back to the, and I mean, it's kind of privileged all wrapped up in a bow. Um, and we can start winding down here in a minute, but I mean, it goes back to, uh, I mean, to not to use a, a name, but a, a, a proper comedian. Um, but something where it's like, well, how am I going to tell my kids about them being gay? It's like, well, that's not my problem. They're your kids. Like you, you can teach them and raise them like whatever you want, but there are people in the world that are gay. So whether you agree with it or whether your brain can wrap around its uh, small cortex cortexes uh, to figure out how to kind of comment that to your children and help them understand, they're either going to learn it from you or they're going to learn it once they're out in the world. And I've seen personally, a lot of empirical evidence from firsthand relationships that the people that have had a very sheltered view of that growing up, I mean, they end up seeing and are much more compassionate once they get out into the real world and see the people are people as opposed to like the people that end up saying like, well, yeah, it was, you know, the hellfire and brimstone for all of this stuff initially. So, I mean, so it's very much the the same thing where it's like, instead of um, coming from a place of like unknown implicit privilege that you you have or you're born with and then just being able to say like yeah this makes me uncomfortable so we're not going to address it whereas like the flip side of the spectrum is like the like very soon the majority of people uh you know the amassed minorities are dealing with that from day one and kind of fighting up from that privilege deficit and so it just it to me it just bullshit bullshit and it, it just infuriates me when people from that place of privilege can't understand that yeah you you need to kind of have the um, the discussion or the open mindedness to to kind of make that uh, uh, kind of the break bread and come back to to kind of the center meeting. Yeah, I, I... not born in the same year. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I just you know it's we just all need to we all just need to like figure out a way to come together and. Um, you know, it needs to not be, you know, through a, a nonviolent unifier. And, you know, you know, the way that whenever, you know, you, you end up talking about these, you know, those kind of things or a certain mindset or trying to explain to California that, yeah, man, the Klan still marches here like 20 minutes from the from the Capitol. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, no, well, those people are almost gone. Well, at least, you know, they're racist because they were it on the outside. And it's like, that doesn't make it OK. Like, we shouldn't excuse the behavior at all. Yeah. And, you know, it's. You know, it's it's people or, you know, and to we should play the existence and all of that. And then it's like, well, no, look at Charlottesville. Like, yeah. That shit still happens. And so it's like just the, yep. the sheer um, like existence of that is an affront to common morality. So. Yeah. So, you know, I, it's it drives me bananas. And it's one of these things like I, I tend to be a very pragmatic person, according to the Telltale Batman series games that I play. Um, <laughs> fucking stupid. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I I don't tend to see things and I don't 
tend to be that much of an idealist, even though my Myers-Briggs personality type also says that I would be an idealist. But I do, when it comes to like things like that, very black and white. Mm -hmm. It's either it's either this one thing or another. And I don't see how you can justify. I don't see how you can justify racism. Like you don't get, you don't get to enslave a race for free labor, and then still shit on that race later. Like you don't like you either get one or the other. You you either <laughs> like you don't you don't get to be like, oh yeah, well we did enslave your people and did terrible things to them and killed them and did awful things. Uh, we like doing that stuff so much that we fought a war with ourselves over it, and we lost, and then we didn't have free labor anymore. So we're still gonna hate you guys, though, even though you helped build this country with your free mandated prison labor. Yeah, like, well, you're free, <laughs> but now we're just gonna systematically marginalize you. And this goes outside of African Americans. This goes into you know Asian Americans and and a couple other things as well. But yeah, we're just going to systematically marginalize you for you know eternity, so that it's you may be free, but you're still you know always you know punching up to try to figure out how to actually do anything or or have it just as easy as anybody else. And there's you know scientific and empirical data that proves that beyond a shadow of a doubt, like all the way to the bank. So um, the fact that 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 is again like the mindset of people and and just some of the common response and if you just go do some of the research and read what happens or what has happened um yeah it's it's mind blowing that that is still uh thought of as an acceptable policy for for most people and we do it and i i know we're trying to wrap up here i'll just say this but like we it's and it's in everything that we do um for instance like i even got to deal with this bullshit all of the time because we speak in we speak in code like er, everything we say is coded and we speak that way in everything that we talk about so much to the point where do you know how often i was referred to um my, my poems would be referred to as having a uh, a rhythmic structure um or there'd be a rhythm to the words or a very all about sonic bullshit with the structure. Um, you know, yes, there's some rhythm, but they you wouldn't be able to say anything else. It would always come back to that. Mm -hmm. And the reason my poems were so fucking rhythmic was because I'm black. And like, dude, I write free verse. Like, I write said free verse poems. There's, like, no rhythm. Like, yeah, line breaks can be used to break syntactically, but, like, it's not, you know? You know, well, let me, you know, or, uh, oh, this uh, is almost like a spoken word poem. Not every black person who writes poems is a spoken word artist. I don't even like spoken word. I don't. I don't like it like that. This is nuts. It's in everything. It's in everything that we do. And once we acknowledge that kind of stuff, we'll actually be able to grow. That's mic drop. Please listen carefully.